0: So listen, I've been getting uh, for some of my uh, some some of my folks that I've been bringing in from the community, and they're coming to Christ and coming to our church. They're having a little bit of a struggle with our services. And I just want to point this out. One girl said it like this, Pastor, I thought this was a preach back congregation. Now, for all you white people, what that means is that while the pastor is preaching, that uh, if it really touches your heart, you're supposed to say something back, like Amen, praise, ha, watch it, and something like that. Okay, so. Uh, I know for some of you, that's not like how you grew up. Like, I thought we was a shout you in the mouth. So so I know that. But we, (laughs) she says, I thought we was a shout-back church. So I want you to feel comfortable if if while I'm ministering today, if something just touches your heart, you say amen. I mean, if it really starts dealing with your soul, you just say praise God. If it hurts your feelings, you just say thank you, Jesus, whatever it is. But you just, come on, you can let it out today. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Let this new series do something so supernatural in us, Church on the Hill. Lord, work in me. Lord, transition me out of old ways of thinking, Lord God. Bring alive in each and every one of us, Lord God. Even the core here at the church, Lord, bring us alive on what it is to be like the New Testament church and to do life together. Lord, may your love permeate every fiber of our being, and may we be the church in this generation, Lord God. May we be a New Testament church, Lord God, in, in our generation, and may it change the world in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we've titled this teaching, uh, these, this series that we're going into, it's called Doing Life Together. Would you say that with me? Doing life together. Uh, and, uh, and as we jump into this series, let me kind of give you a couple purposes and a couple things that we're going to walk through. First and foremost, uh, today I'll be teaching you uh, how you were designed to do it together, to do life together together. You were designed. God made you that way. And that's why isolation continues to drive you almost insane. Uh, We'll also uh, actually go into, all right, if we're going to do life together, how do we work through conflict? Because I'm going to just tell you, most people that I meet, they, I hear this so much over the last five, 10 years, especially from the millennials, you know, well, the church just hurt me. The church just hurt me. I'm just hurt by the church. I'm just hurt by the, hurt by the church. And so you ask me, well, what do you mean you hurt by the church? Well, I just, you know, just, just, just hurt by the church. I love Jesus, but I just don't love the church. Well, okay, well, Jesus, we are Jesus' body. We are his family. So that's like saying, I just can't stand my mom and dad, my brother and sister. And, and albeit, I get that some of you live that way, that's not really how we're supposed to be wired. We're supposed to actually need one another. And so I'm going to actually help you walk through, how do we walk through conflict how do we get past the fact that that girl right there did me dirty and she's supposed to be my sister? How do we get through that? What does the Bible say? Because all throughout Scripture, especially the epistles, I've been studying the epistles a bunch, and that, that's, these, these teachings in the New Testament church was all about how to stand strong against sin and how to keep the church together because guess what? Imperfect people come together and that, and that creates a lot of opportunity for imperfect situations. And so, you know, and we always say it like this you know, you're looking for the perfect church. Well, the moment you walk in there, it will no longer be perfect. Come on, somebody. Each and every one of us have some things we're working out, walking through. And so we need each other. so we'll be looking at how to get through some of those. And then we'll actually dive into what is causing some of the real issues. We'll kind of go through a teaching that is real important to our congregation uh, called The DNA of Relationships. Gary Smiley wrote a whole book about it. And, uh, and that should be really uh, advantageous for us. And as I believe at the end of these four weeks, that we will. be doing life together as God intended it. Amen? Are you with me? Say yes. So our key scripture is found in Psalms 133.1, and it says it like this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Would you read it out loud with me so I know you believe it with me? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good the Word of God says, it's good when we live it out together in unity. In other words, when we come together, because you can't be unified if you're not together when we come together. How horrible, therefore, it is when the body of believers, when God's people live isolated, when God's people try to walk it out by themselves, when God's people, in the, one of the beautiful passages in Ecclesiastes, says, it says, uh, how terrible for a man to have no one who walks beside him. When he falls, there's no one there to help pick him up. You and I need each other. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Come on, turn to the person behind you and say, I need you too. Even though I don't know you, I don't really know you, but I need you. All right. <laughs> and I want to break this down for you. Do you realize that God himself exists in together? I'll say it like this. God exists in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three are one, but yet they're separate personalities. They exist In cohesion. They work together in unity. God, who he is, is a complete being if you will, with three parts. Not only that, but surrounded by the angels. So we don't serve a God like the Islam, Islam talks about, their Allah God, that's some isolated, uh, monotheistic God that only is in some dark place looking down, not engaging in the people, setting a set of rules by which you have to uh, live by and make community. Our God Just the opposite. Our God is a triune being, three parts. Our God has community. Our God has perfect unity within themselves. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he created us, go on now, in his image. Look at that with me. We were created to exist in community. God's designed for us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look at this. God designed us to be in community. When he said it like this, let us, everybody say us. Who's us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Make man in Our, who's our? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And our image, we were made in his image. We were made to commune with one another. In fact, I would say it as boldly as this, we don't work outside of community. We don't work outside of together. It just doesn't work. Brother Johnny and I were praying because Miss Rosie is sick and she's in the hospital. And he's like me, he's running and walking around like, I don't know what to do with my life right now. Because his wife's not there every moment of the day. When, when Miss Jamie was sick, and I, I just can't, I can't even function. Why? Because I was created to be in community. And I had been in a season of my life where I wasn't in church. I wasn't in with a community of believers. No one knew my name. Nobody had my back. Nobody was watching out for me. And I wasn't watching out for anybody else. And that is the most loneliest place in the world. And it doesn't work because we were designed by God to live in community. God made us so that we could walk in community. We see in the garden, when he created Adam and Eve, he looked at Adam, and it's the only place in all of creation, everything God created, he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. When he created man, he looked at Him and he said, he's alone, that's not good. It's the only place he said it's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. So I will, I will create in him, from him, a better half, if you will. A helpmate. Someone stronger, someone better. I will create a helpmate. And then he gives Adam and Eve a complete command. He says, go and multiply. Make community, baby. Make some babies all over the place and have and have community. That's why. And he says, subdue the earth and have dominion over us. So and from, from the very beginning, God not only created us in his image, to commune with one another, that we're imperfect, we're not not in perfect unity outside of being in relationship with others. Then we see after that that God does something he picks a people group to commune with. He picks the Israelites. God chose the Israelites to be his people. Look what he says in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 12. Genesis, uh, Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 12. It says, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. God actually walks amongst his community. He he lives and abides. What's the word of God says? He inhabits the praises of his people. He He lives in the praises of his people. God needs us to be in community so he can commune with us in community. You say, oh, no, I have a good relationship with Jesus. I don't need church. Church people hurt you, friend. You have a misappropriation of how God made you. Just the opposite. You say, oh, yeah, but they've hurt me. They've done me wrong. Welcome to life. Sorry. Welcome to life. Nobody's hurt that little lady on the front row more than me. Why? Because she's my best friend. She expects everybody else to be an idiot. But when I'm an idiot, she don't have a guard up, so it hurts. And so I have to walk through that. She has to walk through that. She has to forgive, and we'll teach you how to walk through these places. But you were built for community. God, the first thing he did once humanity walked away from him was he found a man named Abraham. He said, Abraham, listen, I need community, and you need community. So I tell you what, I'm going to put my life upon your life. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And all your kids, all your great, 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 great kids, be my people. We're going to call them Jews, Israelites, and we're going to commune together. I will walk amongst them. That's what we just read. I love it again. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. And then what happens is, as the Israelites did not appropriate properly that light to the world, they kept it within themselves. They became a clique, us versus the rest of the world. They then began kept going adulterous back and forth from the Father. So the Father says, you know what? I'm going to send my son. So part of the communal part of God said, I'll go down, Father. I'll go down and humble myself and get in the midst, and I'll fix this whole problem. And he came and he laid his life down, died on a a cross, sacrificing his life that you and I might have an avenue back to God, the Father. And when that happens, he then creates, if you will, the body of Christ or the church. Look at this passage of scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So when we became a Christian, we became a part of the body of Christ. Your arm got attached to the body of believers. We needed you. You were a foot and you got attached to us. And we became the body of Christ. Every time you got saved and you got saved and you came to Christ and we joined in together, we became the body of Christ. That's the imagery that the scripture gives us, that we became the New Testament church in the book of Acts. We see them coming together under one banner and that is Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's Lord and Savior and I will follow his teachings and I will serve the Lord my God because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And all those who believed that became believers and became a part of the body of Christ. And then what God does is there are, there are local bodies of believers and then there is the universal church. All of us come together as one giant body, but we're also small bodies of believers. And what we do in our church is we even break it down even smaller into small groups so that you can have a group of believers so you can be obedient to the passage that says, and when you come together... Everyone should bring a hymn, a psalm, a spiritual gift. When you come together, you should bring something to this body of believers. Can you imagine the celebration service looking like that? We'd be here for six weeks. As every one of you share, you know, the other day I was reading through the book of Romans, this revelation. And you start sharing it. We do that with a few thousand people. and It wouldn't be a celebration service. It would be a church. Gathering. Being the church. And that's why our small groups are so critical to us because we feel like that's really the church. This is a celebration where we all came together. Are you with me? Say yes. And so we see the New Testament church coming together and all the believers having everything in common. It says, and when they were all together in prayer, it says in Acts two one. it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. This word together, we see it all throughout the New Testament. Why? Because they had to come together. They didn't say, whoo, I got the power now. I'm going off on my own. I'm just me and my family, us four and no more. No, no, no. They came together. We see throughout the book of Hebrews, him challenging them not To separate away from each other as they go through hardship. I love what Paul Tripp, the writer of Whiter Than Snow, said, and he said it like this We were created to be independent. Excuse me, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Come on, somebody. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we, all, uh, that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out weaknesses or, or are wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantages, uh, advantage of the resources God has given us. So we hold it in, not taking advantage of the resource. What resource is he referring to? The body of Christ. and, And so you're struggling on the inside. You can be in a crowd of people worshiping God and feel so alone. You can feel so attached and you're like, I see everybody smiling and running around and I'm putting on the smile too, but I don't feel it. I just don't really know. And the reason why is because you're detached from a life giving relationships. You're detached from it. You may come to a service and, 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 and read and have a little Bible studies at home by yourself and watch brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so on podcasts or on television. But, friend, you were created. You were designed to come into relationship With the body of believers, you were designed to have a network of relationships that actually cause you to grow, that actually give you life, that actually you lay down what you want and help them, and then they lay down what they want and help you, and in in that, in that interaction is some of the most supernatural opportunities that the scripture talks about. In fact, there are over 30 scriptures that you cannot fulfill unless you're in a body of believers that God has for you unless you're in a body of believers unless you have relationship doing life together we call it doing life together here at church on the hill because it's more than just going to church and hearing sermons this christianity thing is about being together it's about unifying and saying you know what i don't always like you but right now i choose to love you and you know what that hurt my feelings and I'm gonna tell you how, how that hurt my feelings and how we're gonna walk this thing out. We're gonna be the church together. We're gonna to not quit on each other. We're gonna go through this thing. You are designed by God to do this together, to live out this life together with the body of believers. We're supposed to be connected, every part being its part. And sometimes you think that you're, you don't have to. You think, well, you know, I just, I, 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 you know, I, it's not worth the effort. It's just not, it's not worth the effort, and I want to protect myself from getting hurt. Just the opposite. Everything that you need is in that body. God himself, again, he communes. The Godhead communes. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They work in perfect unity. That's, and we, he, we were created in his image to do the same. We're supposed to be in the same. So that means we've got to fight for it. We've got to fight through it. We've got to get to it. We've got to take the mask off. We've got to be real and honest with somebody. We gotta, we gotta trust somebody in our lives. Let me teach you, as I look through scripture, the benefits or the power of coming together. The power of being in a life-giving relationship with other believers. Here's, here's some of the benefits. You ready to say yes? Number one, we will find Jesus right there. Look at Matthew 18:20. He says, For where two or three come, say it out loud with me. Together. One more time. Where two or three come, one more time, where two or three come. Together in my name, there am I with them. So, Oh, no, some of my greatest times is just in the presence of the Lord, by myself, in my closet. It's magnificent. It's wonderful. That is wonderful. That's magnificent. But he says that he's in the middle of us coming together. Why? Because he does stuff in us. But then what happens is we become spiritually constipated because we don't let any of it out. And it's in the expression of it coming out to others that we really find strength and truth and power. And so a lot of us are quick to isolate ourselves. It's maybe the way you were raised. Maybe it's the church that you went to prior to coming to us. Maybe it's just the way you think in life. And so you'll quickly isolate yourself. And then what happens is I get people say to me, I just, you know, I'm just an introvert. I'm just an introvert. I just don't do well with other people. I just, you know, I, can, can I just say this to you? Would you admit that Jesus was probably one of the greatest people ever to walk the planet that loved other people? Would you say that Jesus himself, instead of just setting up his preaching, uh, uh, you know, uh, traveling moment, that he actually discipled 12 people? Would you say that he was in a group, a community group? Would you say that? Yeah, I think that we call him Peter, James, John. Okay, yeah, he had 12, right? That That they cared for each other. They lived in a communal group, in a small group. Wouldn't you say that's true? Now, let's go back to the introvert piece. Jesus had to have a little bit of introvert in him. He said, what? Well, I don't, I, only introverts would spend 40 days in a wilderness by themselves. So point that out. Three days by myself, I'm losing my mind. Like, I'm just going to walk through the mall and stare at people. <laughs> only an introvert. How about, how about the time they're in the boat? They're in the boat. They're on a party barge with all the 12. They're having a great time. Everybody's partying, and Jesus goes underneath and goes and takes a nap. Only an introvert in the middle of the party says, I'm going to go take a nap. But yet every one of those moments that we see him being somewhat get-alone, we then see him right, right, right after the 40 days, what does he do? He goes to a wedding feast, turns water into wine. Hundreds of people. So he didn't hide out. Come on, don't use your introvert as an excuse to hide out. What he does is he goes back into community. Yes, he gets replenished. He gets some time with the Father. And listen, I have to do that all the time. Because you know what? Because the people that I do life with, I want to murder them often, weekly. So I got to go get with the Father and say, oh, Jesus, help me love these people. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Father. And I guarantee you that's what he was doing. Every time we'd see him get along with the Father, he's like, Jesus, how long do I have to deal with these idiots? Oh, my God. Oh, me. Excuse me. <clears throat> I, I, can you imagine? But then he never forsaked the gathering of the believers. He kept that 12. He kept discipling them. He kept in relationship with them. He never threw them out. So Jesus is in the midst of that. Here's a second power of together, and that is our faith grows better. When we come in together. You think your faith grows better when you isolate yourself and study the word yourself and get along with the Lord yourself. It actually doesn't grow better that way. And let me give you a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the author of Hebrews, God's God's speaking through him and saying, listen church. Don't stop getting together. You need someone to spur you on. You know how we grow when other people are kicking us in the butt. Come on, you got this. Come on, get your lazy self. Come on, read that word. You ain't read that word in how long a month? No wonder your wife wants to murder you. Come on, now let's step this thing up. We need that relationship. In fact, can I just kind of put this this uh, passage of Hebrews in perspective? Do you know what's happening in this moment when when the author of Hebrews is writing? Now, so we don't know exactly who the author is. We're pretty sure that the that the, the congregation that's this letter is far are. The the Jewish Christians in Rome. So what's happening around this time under Nero's leadership is he's killing Christians like crazy. So they've got spies in all their small groups and they don't know, the Hebrew. The, the, the book of Hebrews is pointing out to them, listen, don't quit. I know some of you are scared because what they're doing is they're peeling away from doing life with each other because they don't know, are you a spy that's gonna have my family uh, thrown in prison and have my little baby girl murdered in the, in the Colosseum? Are you a spy? How do I trust you? I, I'm saying things that I'm really Christian and I'm doing life with this group of people, but when this one gets taken, he's, he's ratting us out. And so then we're gonna get ratted out and then we're all gonna die. And so they have all of this insecurity happening and the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake getting together. Don't do it. He says, don't do it as some have done. Because they think that isolating themselves is going to make them stronger and keep them safe. Just the opposite. He says when we're together, we spur one another on to good works. We're there for each other. Encouraging each other. Strengthening each other. Can I tell you something? You continue to grow. Your faith will grow and grow and grow when you're in a small group of people. When you're in a group of people who say, ooh, baby girl, I was reading this the other day. What does that mean? And you go, I don't know. And y'all sitting there Googling. You calling my house. Pastor, say, I don't know. We don't know what this scripture means. And all this is happening. Your faith is growing. So I haven't grown in forever. Pastor, I've been in church my whole life, and I'm still struggling with the same stuff. There's your problem. Guarantee you're isolated. Guarantee you cannot point to a group of people who have your back that you do life with, that you walk in, open it all up, and say, look, this is me. I don't understand why we do this. We're more authentic with the world. It trips me out. It trips me out. You love God with all your heart, but when you're around your coworkers and stuff, you'll drop the F-bomb so quick, and then go, oh, praise God, I'm so sorry about that. But you get around church people, and you're like, hmm. Which I appreciate. Don't be dropping the F-bomb all out in the parking lot, so I really appreciate that. (laughs) You haven't got my parking spot. (laughs) You know, appreciate you not being that way. But at the same time, what I'm trying to communicate is, why are we more authentic with people who can't help us than we are with the very people who will help us? Why? Because we don't want to be spurred on, right? The reason why I don't have abs it's not because I can't afford, I got a, and I got a health club membership. I can afford a health club membership, but I know good and well the only way I'm going to get abs is I need a trainer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I need that dude. You lazy, get you one more, you got one. Ah, one more, no, I want to quit. No, get out, you can do it. I need that, right? So do you, but I don't want that. I don't, I'm, so I'm content to look in the mirror and go, oh, well, let's just go buy a bigger size. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? And so that's the reason why we, we know we want to grow. We know we want to mature in our faith, but at the same time, we know that if we get in relationship with others, they're going to say, well, why do you do that? And we're going to say, cause I want to. And that's why we hide from it. But friend, you were made to be in community. You are not actually functioning properly. Can you imagine if you had a... Come on, fellas. If you had an eight-cylinder car and I pulled four of those cylinders out. Not only would it not run, but if you could get it running, it would be a blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. Why? Because it was made to have eight. You were made to be in community. You were made in his image. And you were created to do life together. And until you get that, you're going to keep just pandering your way through Christianity Dealing with the same stuff. How come 20 years into this thing, man, I'm still, I'm still this person? How come I can't keep a marriage together? How come I can't? Because you won't get into community. Why? Because as iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. Here's the third power of being together, and that is joy is cultivated in together. Joy is cultivated in together. Let me let me give you this. So, so Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we see where joy comes from. It is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's a fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody in the world is seeking happiness because they can't find real joy. Why? Because real joy comes from a right relationship with the living God and it's the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us. It is a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Everything else is a fabrication before you're saved, before you have the Holy Spirit in. It's a fabrication of real joy, of real love. Come on, are you with me? Of real patience. It's all a fabrication. They can do their best within the, their own strength, but at the core of who they are, it doesn't come out naturally. And when it comes out naturally, it's because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives and abides in us. And gives us power. So joy actually comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say it like this uh, joy is the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and the Holy Spirit generates joy. Put that on the screen for them. But the community of believers is where it's expressed. So the Holy Spirit generates joy. But it cannot be expressed. I mean, I mean, you can try it sitting up in your living room, Hallelujah. Hey, thank you. Woo! That's great. But it has no impact there. Joy is actually best expressed in the community of believers. And so you may have it because of the fruit of the Spirit, but it's best expressed. And until again, you get constipated if you hold something in. So as you express what God's doing, as you express the hardship that you're going through, as you express the joy of what God's doing, what happens is that then stirs that whole thing to where you become alive. Just like if you don't get to use your gift, then what happens is that gift begins to die out if you don't use that muscle atrophy, atrophy sets in, if you, don't use, if you don't express what God's doing, and if you don't have a group of people that are benefiting from what God's taking you through, and you're benefiting what God's taking them through, and you come together and you spur one another on to righteousness and good deeds, if you don't have that, what happens is every time you have something great that God does, the enemy comes and steals it because there's no expression for it. That's why you got to get in a life-giving relationships, So you can express that so that thing can happen and come through the book of Psalms. Anybody ever read Psalms? The book of Psalms is a collection of prayers and songs. The Hebrew people, over about a 150-year period, and they came together, and David wrote many of them, and Solomon wrote some. Some believe Hezekiah wrote some, and Isaiah, and some others. But there's a particular group of Psalms, Psalms 120 through 134. They're called the Ascension Psalms. And they were written primarily when they were Coming out of exile, after they had the Israelites had been slaves to the Egyptians, and these songs were songs of gratitude. What God has done, what God will do. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. God destroy the work of the enemy trying to kill us. So five hundred years of being in slavery—that is uh, four hundred years—that's come to an end. And there are the songs, they call them the songs of ascension. And uh, Jamie and I have actually been to Israel where the Temple Mount was. And the, the temple was built in up, up on a, up, kind of up on a mountainside, the city of David. That way it was, it was defendable. At the same time, it was uh, uh, where, where they would pilgrim. All the Jews would come from around the nation three times a year for the three big feasts. They'd come come from uh, all over wherever they lived and whatever they had been doing and for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of Pentecost. And they would come as their family. And as they would walk in their family units with their friends and neighbors and go up to the festival at Jerusalem, they would climb these steps going up to the city of David. And they would sing these songs and prayers of ascension. They would sing them out together. And as they would sing them Joy would fill the community that was traveling on this path together. They would begin to sing, how good is our God? How great is God? How wonderful is the Lord our God? He has delivered us. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And as they would sing them, just like when you and your, your people sing that song that y'all like. Just like, you know, this week for us, it was, that girl is on fire. And, and the kids would laugh, and Jamie's like, shut up. <laughs> but as, you would, as they would sing these songs, joy would come out of them. They were expressing joy. And they were doing that, as you know. It's, it's the reason why you have cheerleaders. It's the reason why uh, guys get in a locker room and, and chant out stuff. And, 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 and gals, you know, get in their locker rooms and, and, and chant and sing out songs together. Why? Because it's a unifying joy that comes expressed through this whole thing. The reason why we worship together, the reason we sing songs together, because those songs unify us and joy is able to be expressed through it as we bring it together. You can't really have that same experience by yourself. Yes, you can worship God, tell him how great he is, and you can have this moment where you feel like God really talked to you. But when we do that in the context of believers, what happens is real joy is expressed And it's generated. It actually begins to generate. That's why you can be in a time, like we do uh, uh, quarterly, we do a a, a night of worship. We just all come together and we just worship for an hour, prophesy over each other, let the spirit of the Lord just have his way to heal us and minister to us. And we'll just, just do that for an hour and a half on a Friday night here at Church on the Hill. And I'm telling you, it's the most amazing thing. Why? Because we are doing it together. And then together, the joy of the Lord comes forward, and it's magnificent. And that's what they experienced all throughout the Old Testament as they would go up this mountainside singing the songs of ascension. Again, Psalms 120 to 134. Here's the next thing. I would just tell you this the other day. We, um, Jamie, uh, she hosted the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast here in Cedar Hill. And so afterwards, we were the last ones talking to people, praying with people. And I look up and, like, if I'm the last one around, I look around to make sure the room's been put back. It's a rented room. They rent it uh, from from the city community center. And so there were some balloons with happy birthday uh, tied to a bag that had happy birthday and some candy all around. I was like, who's this for? And Nobody's here. And Jamie goes, I don't know. They were using it for something something. I said, okay. I said, well, I'll just take you back to the office. And then all of a sudden, I had a spirit-led idea. That I was going to take you back to the office, and uh, and I was going to get everyone in the office to come and sing "Happy Birthday" to Gina, uh, my assistant. It's not her birthday. It's not even close to her birthday. And that we would just all come running through the office, and, and we started pulling things out of the refrigerator, you know, salad dressing, and whatever else we could find. And we blew up some more balloons. And about about eight of us, uh, we all came running into her office, all of us, with all the stuff we're carrying. And the moment we stepped into her office, again, all of you, happy birthday to going, she's going, it's not, my, it's not my birthday. Happy birthday to you. It's not my birthday. Happy birthday to you. It's, like, it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. And she's got this look at him, And then we finally, dear Jim, G- happy birthday to you. And she goes, it's not my birthday. And we're like, it's not? And I look at Pastor Johnson. You said it was her birthday. He goes... I thought it was a birthday. It's not your birthday? She goes, no, it's not. And we all just walked away. We're like, I can't believe it. it wasn't her birthday. And left all this stuff all over her desk. I mean, again, you know, just, just salad dressing, <laughs> anything we found in, in the refrigerator, Just left it all over her desk. And we walk walking. She goes, it's not, it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. Why does y'all think? And we all just walk off, and we all go through the back door, we, you know, the office door, and we're back there laughing. And, and, and you, you can hear her sitting there. Why do they they think it's my birthday? And then we come running back in. We're just messing with you. We're picking on you. We got to laughing. We had more joy, just a moment of joy, because we did together. Are you with me? Something kind of cute and fun. There's joy is cultivated when we bring it together. All right? Here's the next piece I teach you, the power of together, and that is we find healing in together said, so, man, I just—I I don't know why God won't heal me. Heal me. Well, look what the Word of God says. It like this in James chapter five and sixteen. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be—say it out loud—so that you may be, you may be healed. See, when you and I repent, we're forgiven. Jesus forgives us. We don't have to go around, you know, doing lighting all these candles for God. to We don't have to do penance. It was paid for once and for all. And when we as Christians, followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of those high, say, Jesus, I did it again. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. (laughs) The Bible says he takes our sin and he throws it as far as the east is to the west. Do you know how far the east is to the west? However far you go east, there's still an east. However far west you go, there's still a west. Why? Because it's a never-ending circle. He just throws it away is what the scriptures are saying. That's the beauty. But what happens is in our sin... I picture it like this. Satan's gotten you and I to sin. We've tripped up. It's like he shot us with an arrow. And when we repent, that sin is removed. But what's still there many times? Right? A wound. And so confession brings healing. And so when we confess, well, we don't need a priest anymore. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus. We don't have to go to an imperfect man. So what the Bible then teaches us after this whole priestly order thing and all that the Israelites have done over the years, he says, now, listen, let me explain something to you. Now... Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Just say, Bill, can y'all just, I just want y'all to know, I want y'all to pray with me. You know, uh, my wife and I, we've gone through some things. And the other day, I cussed her up one side and down the other. I repented. God's forgiven me. But I just, I just don't want that on my conscience. I just want the people that I'm entrusting my life to and who's entrusting their life to me. I just want y'all to know. I just want you to pray. I don't, I don't want to live like this. <laughs> Healing. It's unbelievable. Healing happens. People, I, I, people I, There are people in this church, you walk around with such a guilty conscience, hoping not to be found out. You're scared to talk to me. You're like, oh, you might prophesy, or you might see my sin. It's amazing. I'll stand out in the foyer trying to shake your hand. And you're like, mm-hmm, I got to go. <laughs> and I can tell you, you're not in a small group. <laughs> you don't have a community of people. The rest of you guys, it's so funny. I can tell everyone who's in a small group in this church, pastor, woo! man, God is so good how you doing, oh man, I've been in so much sin but man, I tell you what, God is so good small groups, man, we've just been doing life together like, oh, look at you not feeling all guilty and ashamed why? because confession But the old ad is, confession is good for the soul the Bible says it actually brings healing and you want to be in a safe community of believers that you know and you can't do that on a Sunday this is a celebration of all that gathering are you with me? say yes, do you still love me? say yes <laughs> How about that, uh, anybody know the Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Tell-Tale Tell, Tell Heart? In that we read about a man who took the life of his friend only to bury him beneath the house. The guilt he felt began to manifest itself in the sound of a beating heart coming from under the floor of his house. Could he still be alive, he thought? Could his heart be loud, this loud? Could others hear it? Course not, but the secret he kept was a noise that could not be drowned out with the life he tried to live. He eventually turned himself in to stop the madness. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Here's the fifth and final piece I teach you with the few minutes that I have left, and that is this when we come together, it destroys barriers, it destroys barriers. Uh, give me a second to break this down, if you don't mind. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Galatians 3 and 26. It says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. What are we? Sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus. So we're part of a community. For all of you are far, part of a family. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, for you and I who are not Jews, we don't really grasp the importance of what Paul is laying out here to the Galatians. But let me explain to you. Jamie and I have been to Israel. We've seen the Temple Mount. We've seen, we've seen what they've done and what they had. You have to understand, there were multiple gates around this temple. And if you were a Gentile, if you weren't a Jew, you could only go to a certain gate and then you could not go past that. Barrier. Then you could go into the next level as a man, a woman, whatever. But then you, as a woman, you could not go past the next gate. Only men were let in past there. Are you with me? Neither Jew nor Greek. What Paul is doing is taking us through what God did is tearing down the barriers that only the priests could go into the actual presence of God. None of us, even good Jews, couldn't even go that far. What Paul is saying, in Christ, because we've come into the family of God, all the barriers are broke down. And what he's saying is God actually took the top of the barriers and he rent it from the top to the bottom so that everyone would know, no, 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 this is my command. I'm doing this. I'm tearing all the little barriers down. I'm breaking it all off. And there will be no more barriers in Christ. where There is neither Jew nor Greek. He deals with it again in Colossians. And I like the way he does it with Colossians chapter 3 verse 11 he says here in the body of believers is is no Greek are Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free or free. But Christ is in, is all and is in all. So what he's saying, listen, in the body of believers, in our small group life, doing life together, he's saying, listen, w- what can happen? Right here is I got a pious Jew sitting right next, doing life, coexisting with an unclean Gentile. We got an unclean Gentile sitting next to a pious Jew. I've got a refined Greek who's wealthy and very well-to-do sitting next to a barbarian Scythian sitting right next to him, coexisting doing life together why because we are in christ in christ the barriers get torn you want to know what l's the united states with all the racism it's because we haven't figured out how to tear down the barriers how do you tear down the barriers you get in christ he's already torn them down he's already ripped them apart he's already broken free and so and in this church i'll give you a great example there was a lady that attended our church for a few months and then she stopped coming and she told one of my friends she said yeah i really like pastor adam's preaching it's a good church she said but you know what they didn't have any ministry for me, as a single mom, I needed a single mom's ministry. See, she was comfortable with her barriers. In fact, she wanted to be identified by her barriers. But what she doesn't know, Miss Tamika, where you at? Sitting right here. We're usually right here. Where'd you run to, Miss Tamika? Miss Tamika sings right here on the front row. Beautiful African-American single mom. Let me tell you something. When she came to this church, she didn't, want to be, uh, she didn't want to be identified by barriers. What she did, the first group that we had that she could fit in, she said, I want it. It ended up being a group of single white dudes. They they were all in their early 20s. She said, That's good. I helped them boys get them something. And she got in there. Can I tell you what her small group, she's now a small group leader? Her and her co-leader Anthony, he's a Hispanic dude. Come on, somebody. Single Hispanic dude. They got married couples. Now listen to me. They got single folks. They got old people. They got young people. Let me tell you what they've learned to do. There are no barriers in Christ. What this other little single mama didn't realize is she wanted to be identified with her barrier. I'm going st- okay, let's st- stick you in a small group with all single moms. Guess what? You're gonna have a problem. with? She ain't got nobody to help you with your kids. When your car breaks down, ain't none of the single moms know how to fix a car. You got all your same problems, but you want to be identified by your barrier. So before we begin to be so critical of everybody else, maybe we ought, ought to recognize we like our barriers. They become our identity. We like being that we can't go past that because that's just a lie. They just put that on my life. Listen, in Christ, he tore all that apart. In Christ, he destroys the barriers. I don't want that for you. I want you to do life with people that ain't, aren't like you. You need that. You need to understand that there's another world outside your little perfect little world. And your little five little family unit. That y'all go do the cowboy games. And y'all go to Chuck E. Cheese. You work your job and work in the yard. Can't figure out why it's not really happening for you. I'll tell you why it's not happening. Because you like your little barrier. you got to break out of that barrier. Get other folks in your life that aren't like you. For all you white people, you need some black folk in your life. You ain't got no rhythm. You need some. Every one of you need to try some tortillas. Come on, Hispanic folks. Let them low. Every one of us need that. Because I've traveled the world and been in every continent and interacted and ministered and preached, I am a multicultural thinker. And I know when I walk up to the door of an Asian family, I'm taking my shoes off even if my socks are nasty. Because they'd rather me have nasty socks with holes in them than to come up in their house with my shoes on. Right? And I do that. Why? Because I want a relationship with them. So I don't care about what I like. This is the breakdown. This is why people can't do life together. It's because, you know what, I like my barriers. And I like you being on the other side of my barrier. Because I'm comfortable that way. But what, Christ, what Paul says is, is, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. He even went so far as, are slave or free? In fact, he even teaches, listen, I can't do nothing about slavery right now because that thing has, has permeated the entire uh, uh, Western world at the time. And he said, I can't do anything about that in the Middle East, but I'll tell you what, one thing I can teach is, slaves... Love your masters, even if, if they're in Christ, as much as you would, you would submit to one who's not in Christ. And those, those who are slave owners, you better treat that, that person as though they're, they're in Christ. They're on equal level with you in Christ. Yep. That's what he tells them. That's what he tells them clearly. I can't fix that right now, but I tell you what you, can, you are going to do, you're going to be in Christ. And you're on the same level in Christ. And that's why in this church you'll see women in leadership. Because <laughs> in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, Yeah, that'll mess up some of your doctrines. Sorry. It's just what the Word says. Doing life together. You were created for it. Some of you are miserable because you're lonely. And you keep coming to church hoping to find a solution. And I'm preaching good messages. And you're like, yes, that's right. And you're trying to apply those principles. But you're doing that all by yourself. And you're going to end up leaving this church saying, no one knew me. The pastor didn't even call me. I was in the hospital. And no no one even came and checked on me at that church. Bless God. And we're gonna, it's going to be because you kept your barrier and you wouldn't let us into that. I'm sorry that you don't quite get it yet, but I'm praying that today, this, this four-part series will help you have a revelation. You were made to do life with other believers. We were supposed to be doing it together not walking this alone, climbing that mountain, singing of his goodness together. He's been good, hadn't he? He's been good. Oh, it's been tough. Oh, it's been tough. Ooh, come on. Let's ascend the holy mountain of God together. Would you stand with me all across the room? Jesus, be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes with me today, and I want you here and now to respond to the word. Here and now, eyes closed, head bowed, you and God talking. If this is the word of the Lord, and you know it. If you know that this is scripture, and I haven't ma- manipulated it for my own cause. I have not. We developed this church and the structure of this church, what we saw in the holy scriptures. We didn't go model after everybody else in the United States. We weren't trying to grow a big church. We just, we just wanted to be Christians. We just wanted to do life. We just wanted to be like God. And we wanted to do it Right. And so as we studied through scriptures, the whole New Testament church, it says, and they met house to house. And then they would come together weekly in the temple so that they had the reading of the word. So we said, okay, well, that's how you do it. We meet house to house. We do life together. We get in small group life together. We, we connect with each other. And then weekly we come together and we celebrate how good he's been. That's, that's what we did because we saw it in scripture, not because we were trying to have some church growth model. And as you stand here today, I want you to ask yourself a question. Are you tired of being alone? So, well, I got my family. I got my Facebook friends. I got my old church friends, you know, it's a smaller church, and they still keep in, track, uh, in contact with me. I want you to know something. And together, you will be known and you will know others. There's some barriers that have to come down here now if you're feeling that loneliness if you're feeling that by yourselfness you feel like you don't know how to grow in God feel like it's not working for you I'm telling you it was made to be done together you're out of order you're not, you're not all together we were created in his image God the Father, God the Son God the Holy Spirit and the Holy Angels they commune together in perfect unity who do you commune in unity with? Who, who knows you? Who has your back? Who would say, I'll go do that for you? Who in your circle of influence would say, I'll lay down my life, Father, to go win back the sons and daughters? That's what Jesus did in the perfect communion of the Godhead. Do you have that? Do you have a relationship? Have you started building that? Here and now, if you have it, you feel isolated, I want you right now to say, God, I, I need that. I want that. I want you to pray, say, God, I want that. Under your breath. It's not, a, it's not a business deal here today. I'm not trying to sign people up. I'm just trying to point out to you where the brokenness may be coming from. And as you pray that prayer, I want you to add to that and say, Jesus, I need you to guide me to the right relationships. Nothing worse than to be in the wrong relationships. So God, there are people in this church, there are people in the community of believers that I need to do life with. God, guide me to those relationships. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for supernatural beyond what humans can do, beyond what our little small group team could accomplish, beyond, Lord God, how we could ever in our humanness organize. Lord, would you bring people into relationship, into communion, into together, God. Lord supernatural Lord I'm talking about in the hallway Lord God meeting somebody that I like this person I'm talking about Lord God sitting in the cafe drinking lattes with people that they're like this kind of people I want to be with Father I pray right now that you would divinely connect people supernaturally Lord God I pray Lord God that every man and woman in church on the hill would find their together even our young people find their together the friends that will be there in hard times those who will spur them on to good works, those that they can share the joys of life with and the supernatural thing that God does in their life. And we can do that together as you made us, oh God. Jesus, I pray that as you minister to us and teach us that, Lord God, we would find the truth of who you are and the love that you have for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I'm not a Christian. I'm not in that family of God you're talking about. Not only have I not found my together of people, but I, I don't even, I'm i not even serving God. Maybe you would say it like this, Pastor, I gotta be honest, if I died today, I'm pretty sure I would not go to heaven. I'm pretty sure that I'm separated from God. Maybe you used to be a Christian, but life happened and you just walked away and you feel that guilt, you feel that shame. Friend, that day needs to come to an end right here. You came here today looking for something. You said, no, no, my friend just invited me, I was trying to be nice, no, that's not true. Something deep inside of your heart's been looking for truth. If you saw it lived out today, the people in this room, they really love God. They're not perfect. We're not the greatest Christians in the history of the world. But we're authentic and we're doing our best to serve Him. And He's blessing it because we're His. And today, you're tired of not being His. You want to be a Christian. You want to be a lover of God. You want to know Him intimately like we do. Would you let me pray with you? The Word of God says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So in other words, you're just a prayer away. You say, well, what do I have to do? Well, he did it all. That's the point. He did it all. He carried the big load to have a relationship with you. He died on a cross, made a way. And your response is simply, Jesus, you are now my Lord. And say, I will follow you all the ends of my days that's your response he initiated it will you respond with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're not a Christian today and you're ready to become one you're ready to serve God with all your heart would you let me pray with you I'm not going to embarrass you I don't need another notch on my belt but I need you to have that relationship I need your eternity to be secure I need you to know the living God that created you and loved you. And I need the blindedness on your eyes to be removed so you can see how far, how deep, how wide is his love for you. Today, I need you to respond to that love and say, yeah, I want to be a Christian. I want to serve God with no one looking around. If that's you, would you let me pray with you? Again, I won't call you forward. We're just going to pray right there in your seat. Deep, intimate moment here and now for you and God. Well, would you let me help you with it? No one's looking around, just you and me. You say, Pastor, it's time. I'm ready to get right with God. Would you just slip your hand up and say, That's me, Pastor? Pray for me. Won't call you for it. But you need to respond quickly across from. Him. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time I'm ready to serve God. I don't want to live like this another day. Yes, sir. You put it back down. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. A couple more seconds. Quickly. Respond. Don't push him away. If God's dealing with your heart, just act quickly. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words we're about to pray. What's supernatural is that your heart. Your heart wants God, and you want Him. And He's going to respond right here as we, as we commit to Him. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with those who lifted their hands. And those who lifted their hands, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants. And I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me whole. Write my name and your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I speak peace. Peace over every man and woman who lifted their hand. Peace. They're not ever again in conflict with you, God. There's not a wrestling over their soul anymore. They're at peace because they belong to you. It's settled. They're on your team. They're in your family. They're not back and forth anymore. God, I pray right now, joy. That joy we talked about, the fruit of the Spirit, the joy of their salvation, that they would just feel it, that they they don't have to perform, they don't have to do anything, they don't have to give money to the church, they're yours, because they asked. And your word says, if we ask, we shall receive. Thank you that they're forgiven. Thank you that they're healed. Thank you that they're yours. In Jesus' name, amen.